I'm Alex Shaw. I'm Sharon Shaw. And, and welcome, welcome to, to School of Movies. In the Heights. Lights up on Washington Heights. Up at the break of day, I wake up and I got this little punk I gotta chase away. Pop the grape at the crack of dawn. Sing while I wipe down the awning. Hey, y'all. Uh, good morning. Ice cold piragua, pancha, china, cherry, strawberry, and just for today, I got my mate. Oye, piragüero, como esta? Como siempre, señor Usnavi. I am Usnavi, and you probably never heard my name. Reports of my fame are greatly exaggerated. Exacerbated by the fact that my syntax is highly complicated because I immigrated from the single greatest little place in the Caribbean, Dominican Republic. I love it. Jesus, I'm jealous of it. And beyond that, ever since my folks passed on, I haven't gone back. God damn, I gotta get on then. Four, the milk is gone bad. Hold up just a second. Why is everything in this fridge warm and tepid? I better step it up and fight the heat. Cause I'm not making any profit if the coffee isn't light and sweet. Ooh. Abuela, my fridge broke. I got cafe, but no con leche. Ay, Dios. Try my mother's old recipe. One can of condensed milk. Nice. Oh, hey, your lottery ticket. Paciencia y fe. That was Abuela, she's not really my Abuela But she practically raised me, this corner is her escuela now You probably thinking, I'm up Shit's Creek I've never been north of 96th Street Well, you must take the A train Even farther than Harlem to northern Manhattan and maintain Get off at 181st and take the escalator I hope you're writing this down, I'm gonna test you later I'm getting tested, times are tough on this bodega Two months ago, somebody bought Ortegas Our neighbors started packing up and picking up and ever since the rest went up, it's gotten mad expensive But we live with just enough in the heights I flip the lights and start my day With us tonight is Name Chibati. Hey, everybody. Hello. So this is a 2021 movie directed by John M. Chu of Crazy Rich Asians, which we did a glowing show about a few years ago. John also directed a bunch of those step-up dance movies, which originally starred Channing Tatum, and Sharon and I recently went through all five of them on our Patreon After School Club. He was the absolute best choice of director for this, bringing a zesty, vibrant flair that you can taste to the big screen. Notably, this was also the first film I saw at the cinema after over a year of lockdown. It is a close adaptation of the 2005 musical stage play written by Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright Chiara Alegria Hudes. Concept, music, and lyrics are by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who was the second actor to play the focal character of Uznavi for two years between 2007 and 2008, both off-Broadway and on it. Listening back to the audio from that production makes it clear that this was the training wheels for Miranda on his way to creating Hamilton, which we also covered back at the beginning of 2017. That got us through Trump's inauguration period. Washington! Next up to bat, the Rosarios, they run the cab company. They struggle in the body or see their daughter Nina's off at college Tuition is mass deep so they can't sleep Everything they get is mad cheap Good morning, Usnavi 
tan caliente café con leche. Put $20 on today's lottery. One ticket, that's it. Hey, a man's got a dream. Don't mind him, he's all excited. Cause Nino flew in at 3 a.m. last Don't night. Don't look at me, this one's been cooking all week. Snobby, come over for dinner. There's plenty to eat. Appropriately, the actor who played Alexander Hamilton's son, Philip, as well as his friend, John Lawrence, Anthony Ramos, was cast here in the movie as Usnavi. And I have definitely said this before, but every time something like Les Miserables or Cats or Dear Evan Hansen gets adapted into a film, in two of these cases, by the same director, plenty of people say that musical theatre should remain on stage. I would posit that the visual and emotional triumph that is in the Heights makes a fine case against that. Even before the pandemic, getting all the way to Manhattan or London or another major city to take in one of the big musicals was an astonishingly expensive and thus exclusive prospect. Now people like Abuela, that's Usnavi's Abuela, she's not really his Abuela, in this, or my own mother, are so vulnerable that being crammed into a theatre is not only costly, but actively dangerous. So, cinematic musicals were always a way to get the shows to the most people. Now they are an active lifesaver. And if you hate musicals, I feel your pain. Swap musicals for sports ball, and sometimes it feels impossible to escape when everyone is talking about it and broadcasting about it everywhere. The most recent example you, you cannot get away from. I learned to just kind of try my best to bury myself in my iPod and let the sports ball get kicked on by. You are entirely excused from this particular school of movies. For those remaining, what we are going to do is go character by character, utilising each person on screen as a window to the many themes at play in this story. Now, you might say in response to what I just posited, oh, come on, Alex. Pandemic was a long time ago. Granny's fine. She's visiting friends. She's doing all kinds of things. Couple of points. We recorded this a long while ago, back when it was cold, and I've held back releasing it until it was really, really hot. But also... As I edit this, Sharon is upstairs recovering on day eight of her quarantine after catching COVID at work. We haven't breathed the same air or been close to each other since then. I've been running the household and kind of going crazy without her. Willow has been wonderful. Being very supportive, understanding. They miss their mum too. Indy misses her. He doesn't understand why she won't come out of the bedroom and he can't see her and give her a cuddle. His pack is disturbed and divided and he wants that to stop. And she lost her sense of taste and smell in a way that she was scared and I was very scared she would not get it back. And we've both been double vaccinated for ages. So yes, you'll probably hear this from me for the rest of my life. I am never relaxing my paranoia. But fuck it. I'm editing this now because I want to cheer myself up. Let's listen to some summer music. So then Yesenia walks in the room. She smells sex and cheap perfume. It smells like one of those trees that you hang from the rear view. I know. It's true. She screams, who's in there with you, Julio? Grabs a bat and kicks in the door. He's in bed with Jose from the liquor store. No me diga. The salon ladies. Thanks, Usnavi. Sonny, you're late. Relax. You know you love me. 
on the heat the world spins around while i'm frozen to my seat the people that i know i'll keep on rolling down the street but every day is different so i'm switching up the beat because my parents came with nothing they got a little more and sure we're poor but yo at least we got the store and it's all about the legacy they left with me it's destiny and one day i'll be on the beach with sunny writing checks to in me in the heights i hang my flag up on display we came to work and to live and we got a lot in it common it reminds me that i came from
here twice Turn up the street lights We taking the flight To a couple of days in the life For what it's like In Washington Heights So, we're actually going to start with Kevin, a character who I don't think actually gets called Kevin all that often in the film at all. It's Jimmy Smits, who is Nina's father. And it seems odd for such uh, for a uh, production that starts and focuses on young people so much uh, for us to start with the dad. But it, it kind of... It, he is a prime example of one of the major themes in this, which is inheriting the dreams of your parents. Now, Kevin came from a a farming community and emigrated to New York because he didn't want to be a farmer, and his father called him useless. And there's actually a song in the uh, stage play which they they went through, all, rather than filming all the songs and then just removing the ones that they didn't need to trim it down, uh, when adapting it, they went through all the songs, repositioned a few of them so that they, uh, they would uh, introduce different themes and characters earlier or later, and in some cases just completely cut entire songs. Now, one of the casualties here is a song called Inutil, Useless, which is what happens when Kevin reels back from finding his daughter has come back from college and she no longer wants to continue college. The other major difference with Kevin is that in the film, it would appear he is a either a widower or a divorcee. Uh, the character of Camilla, who is Nina's mother, is not present in the film at all. So effectively, all the pressure is heaped on him. And there's also a later reprise song where Camilla pretty much grabs her daughter and husband and bangs their heads together and calls them both irresponsible for allowing this conflict to build up uh, rather than talking about it. He, it's... Definitely the case that Nina's mother in the film has passed away. I believe oh, Abuela right. at one point says, your mother, God rest her soul, okay, cool. to right. Nina. I think, again, this is to uh, um, add extra pressure to Kevin. Uh, Kevin takes up the place of Disney's current mummy is hard, but she means well slate of films, such as, oh, I don't know, put the top of my head, um, ooh, uh, Encanto. Mm-hmm. Also seeing red. So by Manuel Miranda. Strange World, Raya and the Last Dragon, Frozen 2, Moana, Luca, Soul, Onward, Incredibles 2, Coco, Good Dinosaur, Brave, The Big Mermaid. There are scenes where Kevin just takes away Nina's agency and a lesser actor than Jimmy Smith's would make him almost detestable in his boorish piggishness. But there's a desperation and a tightness in his performance that I think really conveys there's a reason why we're doing this one first by the way Sharon I know that the relationship between Nina and Kevin wrecks you and if we can get the wreckage out of the way you might be able to bounce back for the rest of it entirely possible okay oh god it's so good to hear Sharon's voice in the edit folks I'm going crazy this isn't happening useless just like my father was before me Inutil Useless And every day he'd cut the cane Came home late and prayed for rain Prayed for rain And on the days when nothing came My father's face was lined with shame Sit me down beside him and he'd say My father was a farmer 
His father was a farmer And you will be a farmer But I told him, Bobby I'm sorry I'm going farther I'm getting on a plane And I'm gonna change the world someday And he slapped my face He stood there staring at me Useless Today my daughter's home and I am useless And as a baby she amazed me with the things she learned each day She used to stay on the fire escape while all the other kids would play And I would stand beside her and I'd say Proud to be your father, cause you work so much harder, you are so much smarter than I was at your age. And I always knew that she would fly away, that she was gonna change the world someday. I will not be the reason that my family can't succeed I will do what it takes they'll have everything they need all my work all my life everything I've sacrificed will This particular theme, the idea of inheriting the dreams of your parents, is absolutely crucial to the whole story. Yeah. It underpins virtually every facet of what's being told here. And it is a it, it's not a theme that is exclusive to being a child of immigrant parents. There are lots of other circumstances under which kids would feel this pressure, but it is almost universal amongst children of immigrant parents because you wouldn't even be in the place you are if your parents hadn't wanted something specific yeah. or or not wanted something specific. They were either running towards something or away from something. You don't casually emigrate. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. indeed. <laughs> if you're zooming in, you're on the family and you're on the parent and the child. But if you're zooming out, you're looking at... Washington Heights, you're looking at a, a town, a community of immigrant families. And they say in the songs, they're like, Nina, who would guess that you'd be the one to get out of here? They are putting a lot of hopes and dreams, you know, e even from, a, like I say, a zoomed out level. Um, and when you zoom in on this, the, the drama just, you know, appropriately zooms. It's just, it's all very um, personal. Hmm. There's a uh, uh, Nina makes a fine point when she uh, says that uh, look, uh, I think her father compares going to college and uh, which college is it by the way Stanford Stanford prestigious uh, as as uh, something that's uh, that's similar to him when he emigrated and she snaps back that when he arrived here there were second generation third generation uh, families from where is it Cuba that he came from 
Uh, they come from Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, yeah. Then that there were Puerto Rican first generation, second generation, third generation families there to welcome them to the neighborhood, to bring them in, to give them a sense of place and belonging. When Nina goes to college, she is party to the standards of the mostly rich white kids who get to go there. Mm. She's not arriving in the arms of a community that's going to turn out to be hers. Mm. She is leaving the community where she felt that welcome and that safety. And the other thing is, I don't think it's an accident that she's going to a college on the West Coast. She goes all the way to California. Now, you can't 2, miles. get many places in America that are further apart from each other than New York and California, mm. but they're two places separated by a common country. So there's, there's something about... A distance where it's it's nigh on impossible to travel easily and regularly to see people, but you are still ostensibly in the same place. So she doesn't even have that feeling to fall back on of, I've left my country. She's still in it, but she's so far away she might as well not be. I, there, are, there are so many elements of Nina's loneliness that are not openly discussed but are so incredibly clear from the things that stress her out about this circumstance. I uh, amend what I earlier said. I said 2,000 miles. It's 3,009 miles from Stanford, California to Washington Heights, New York. Goodness gracious. Yeah, about as far, as you you say, about as far as you can go. When uh, being an immigrant in this appears to be almost like you're a child of two families or you're a a child of two geographies, you you neither feel like in some cases uh depending on when and where you were born or how old you were when you left you might not really feel massively attached to either of them so your definition of home is going to be divided and vague or you'll feel a strong connection to a place you felt was home but where you currently are doesn't feel like home or the other way around you will barely know the place you left. Like Sonny, for example, doesn't... Like, as far as he's concerned, Sonny, who we'll talk about nearly dead last, uh, because his his is the most updated of the stories, since this is uh, this jumped from 2005 to 2020. Fifth, a lot happened in America, specifically in uh, New York, in 15 years. But yeah, for Sonny, he doesn't remember. He was a baby when he uh, left his, uh, his, his place, and, and he wants to be able to call this place home. The difficulty for him being he is undocumented, which means he is up against all kinds of shit. Mm, yeah, yeah. There's a, a particular issue um, being a TCK, a third culture kid, mm. and it applies to people in a number of situations, one of which is, is being the child of immigrant parents or having uh, immigrated when you were very, very small. The specifics of it are that you come from more than one culture and you end up almost creating your own the place where you land sort of you you end up with a culture formulated around you and it draws on multiple different sources and and that's 
you know, that's going to be the case, particularly when you have a child whose parents met here. So if both of your parents are immigrants, but they came from very different places, then you've got that again. It like doubled up. It's it is a very you're a child very of multiple geographies. Exactly. Now. I mean, it it applies to other to kids in other situations as well. Military kids, um, kids whose parents have moved around a lot because of their jobs, specifically if they've moved abroad because of their jobs. But it's there's almost a desperation for community but also a need to keep moving. And reconciling those things is something that's present, again, in most of the characters. It's one of the reasons why this film hits me so hard. Mm. For those keeping track, the Dominican Republic, where Osnavi wants to get back to, is closer to Washington Heights than Stanford in uh, California. Take it away, the girl who would be bad girl. This is my street. I smile at the faces I've known all my life. They regard me with pride. And everyone's sweet. They say you're going places. So how can I say that while I was away, I had so much to hide? Hey guys, it's me. The biggest disappointment you Kid couldn't hack it, she's back and she's walking real slow. Welcome home, just breathe. city was mine I remember the praise I the quiero The neighborhood waved and said Nina, be brave and you're gonna be fine And maybe it's me But it all seems like lifetimes ago So what do I say to these faces that I used to know Hey, I'm home Me Everything's fine, everything's cool 
The standard reply, lots of tests, lots of papers Smile, wave goodbye, and pray to the sky Oh God, how do I dare to say Can I go in there and say I know that I'm letting you down Nina! So Abuela is the uh, the next major character. Again, we're staying with the oldies first. I think, like, generationally, it's kind of, it, it sort of, I don't want to say trickles down, because those words are now cursed. Uh, it, it, there's, a, there's a downward slope from uh, where they began. Uh, Abuela sings a song in the uh, stage play. It's in act one, and it it's not punctuating anything major. But in the film, it is devastatingly at a pivot point where she actually is about to die of heat exhaustion and a heart attack. She does that much later in the uh, stage play. This is one of the best new ideas that they uh, incorporated to make this song uh, her deathbed song. And she's very much alone at the time, even though she's looking at her found family, uh, She's reflecting on how she got to America in the first place as a little girl surfing on the dreams of her mother and having absolutely no say that they were leaving when they were leaving. Interestingly enough, by the way, it's it's uh, nineteen forty three in the stage play and in the film, which means she's way older in the film. <laughs> By 15 years. This, I mean, this song is absolutely amazing. It's uh, sung by Olga Merides, and Abuela is, uh, is so often referred to simply as Abuela, which is, it just means grandmother. Uh, Abuelita is a, uh, a sort of an affectionate way of saying little grandmother, my little darling grandmother. I cannot recall her face. She tells me her great grand ancestors were Aztec. That means her stories are my stories too. My favourites are the frightening ones. She's pitched very specifically to remind people of their mother or their grandmother. The fact that, especially, uh, they make note of the fact that she saves everything. That she came to this neighbourhood and never had children of her own, but practically raised a lot of the kids who are here because she has a very nurturing energy to her and she she's one of those people who just is nothing but goodness and kindness and so her loss feels devastating Mm. but the song she sings has a hint of bitterness and a hint of uh resentment about it because she's singing to a mother who isn't there and hasn't been there for a very long time she is effectively stranded in the wake of the i i spent my life inheriting dreams from you which is just extraordinarily conveyed in the uh, in the film. They um, for the flashback, it's uh, the 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 blocking is that she's sort of passing through a subway, which is where she originally sang this song uh, in the in the hottest night day of the year, uh, and everyone around her is is wearing just uh, the plain. Uh, linens of uh, the the characters who surround the core characters in Hamilton 
to illustrate not so much that they're not people, but that there's a depersonalization going on for Abuela as all of these people sort of breeze past her. People of color in the film, notably, as well, not necessarily being kind to her uh, as someone who is of color and feels alone. And what she's describing is feeling like she's being swept under the carpet and expected to perform and pull her weight and pull a hell of a lot more weight just to prove that she's good enough to stay there. And there's this incredibly wonderful scene between her and Nina. I don't know if this was in the stage play, but it's definitely in the film, and it in fact replaces a whole song Nina sang, where uh, Abuela brings out a a package of uh, uh, napkins that have very, very delicate embroidery on them. And uh, she says very specific words. Um, We had to assert our dignity in small ways, little details that told the world we are not invisible. And just that moment, being able to convey that to Nina, is powerful enough that after Abuela dies, Nina receives these napkins as a dry cleaning package. Notably, where she's been overcharged by a scumbag white dude who's moved into the neighborhood and is is charging $9 a shirt, but also $9 a napkin. $9 an item, basically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's just like, oh, he's, he's, he's acting all chummy with her, but he's also fleecing her. But she got, she got it done anyway because this matters to her. And it's these just napkins which kick Nina back into gear and the the missing song that isn't there is uh it's called everything i know and it's um Nina looking back on how she was effectively educated by abuela so the the foundation for her college came from this one person which feels almost like it would be more appropriate in the film as with no mother there to have been covering that side of things it feels like abuela was even more important mm. it feels like the napkins are there as kind of a shorthand for Nina to connect with immigrant people in general Mm. based on the ideology laid down by Abuela. Yeah, there's an element of generation jumping between the two of them because the you're right in that the the story lays out different generations going through this same concept of inheriting the dreams of your parents but very specifically Kevin rejected the dreams of his parents the dream of his father was to have him be a farmer your father was a farmer you will be a farmer exactly and Kevin said no my father was a farmer and now he gets frustrated because Nina is saying the same thing to him Mm. and the the connection that she's making instead is with Abuela who is here through no choice of her own Kevin came to America on purpose. Abuela's mother came to America on purpose, but because her hand was forced because she couldn't get work in Cuba. Mm. But Abuela herself, she had no choice. So there's more of a connection between her and uh, Nina because they both had massive pressure on them to do something they didn't necessarily want to do themselves. Nina in the film, we'll get to her, has to work out a new reason to do college because it is more of an endurance test than something that she feels like she's achieving indeed she's she's effectively lost sight of what her Mm. values are possibly she's never really known what her values are because she's never been given the window to work that out yeah so um the the writer that i uh, mentioned uh, above q 
Chiara Alegria Hudes uh, said on the making of that, and I was just like, well, you just, you've just described the entire keynote of the film here. How do I honour those people that I love and who got me to where I am? And how do I honour my own path? And the final shot of the movie is that I hadn't been looking for it until now. Just it really slams home. We'll talk about that at the very, very end. But it's a, it's a really good way of, of making it feel like things are going to be okay moving forwards because this generational communication is occurring. It was hotter at home in La Ribora, the Washington Heights of Havana, a crowded city of faces the same as mine. But as a child in La Ribora, I chased the birds in the plaza. Pray, Mama, you would find work combing the stars in the sky for some sort of sign. Ay, Mama, so many stars in Cuba. In Nueva York, we can't see beyond our street lights. To reach the roof, you gotta bribe the super. Ain't no Cassiopeia in Washington Heights But ain't no food in La Vibora I remember nights, anger in the streets Hunger at the windows Women folding clothes Playing with my friends in the summer rain Mama needs a job, Mama says we're poor One day you say, vamos a Nueva York And Nueva York was far, but Nueva York had work And so we came And now I'm wide awake A million years too late I talk to you imagining what you do Remembering what we went through Nueva York, hey mama It wasn't like today You'd say, paciencia y fe In early December, a crowded city in 1943. Learning the ropes in America, in Espanol I remember. Dancing with Mayor La Guardia, all of society welcoming mommy and me. And as I feed these 
survived. I did it. Now do I leave or stay? All right, Mama. Okay. Paciencia y fe. I saw this movie on, I think it was for my birthday because it came out in July last yeah. year. And um, I was just blown away by a Boyla song yeah. uh, right, in the, right in the middle of the movie. It kind of stole the whole show. Olga Merides. Mm-hmm. So, um, Who has had practice being Abuela on the stage. She was uh, her for the two years that Lin-Manuel Miranda was playing as Nabi. Excellent. Yeah, I think that she should have gotten some kind of nomination for supporting actress Hell because yeah. this 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 performance of this song and her presence in the rest of the movie is so core to the to the experience. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think you guys pretty much covered it that she's just really wrestling at the at at the end of her life um, with all of the dreams that she's inherited, hmm. and she has this struggle at the very end of the song. She's like, "Do I go back to the living or do I follow this light?" Do now that I'm successful with what you laid out for me, do I relax now or do I go back to people that need me? And she's kind of kind of selfish. It's kind of a a, a move for herself to to go towards the light. And she to has more than earned it. It's like oh, Steve definitely. Rogers at this point. Just go That's exactly rest. What I'm alluding to. Yeah, she's been working so hard tirelessly, not just for her mom, but for the entire community. Mm. And it's just, she knows that it's time. And, you know, maybe she she could have had a long uh, life still um, kind of living for herself, but this is, this is for herself too. Mm. And I just thought that whole sequence was just beautiful. There is a, a little hint there as well that what her, her passing away scene always reminds me of is uh, Odin. On the cliff, when he says to Loki and Thor, yes, there's things that you want my advice for. Yes, there's things that you want to lean on me for still. That's not my path anymore. You have to pick this up yourself now. And she never says that to anybody, like, bluntly. But that is the the implication in particular of what she leaves for Asnavi, what she's leaving him is not just money. She is leaving him the responsibility of how are you going to use this money to support everyone else? Mm. Yeah. Which is it's what almost, she would have been doing if she'd, instil- if she'd still been there. Mm. It's almost very purposeful that she says it's for you. She doesn't leave like intent for it because no. that's just what her mom did. So she that's was- the shields. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that would make it as Navi Sam Wilson, the Falcon, soon to be Captain America. But, I mean, it doesn't get much more Captain America to uh, effectively be the, you know, part, the heart of a community of American immigrants. Yeah. Like, you are powering this within sight of the Statue of Liberty. 
Probably not. I don't have my Manhattan geography right to hand. But within sight <laughs> within of the George Washington... of the Statue of Liberty. Indeed. And within <laughs> sight of the George Washington Bridge, which obviously where Washington Heights got its name, and it's, it's a major landmark that this is a place where the American dream is supposed to come true. However, mm-hmm. and I feel like this is especially a thing that's been affecting it uh, in the film in the 15 years since... Uh, it reminds me of the Spike Lee film Do the Right Thing and uh, the mo- most recent uh, sequel to Candyman, also named Candyman, uh, which is that it makes absolutely no bones about gentrification. Even in 2005, one of the uh, lines that in the last song that uh, Usnavi sings, when... Breeze off the Hudson And just when you think you're sick of living here The memory floods in The morning light off the fire escapes The nights in Bennett Park Blasting big pun tapes Summer, miss this place To tell you the truth Kevin, dispensing wisdom from his dispatch booth Then at dawn, Vanessa at the salon We gotta move on And who's gonna notice we're gone When our job's done As the evening winds down to a crawl sun Can I ease my mind when we're all done when we've resigned in the long run What do we leave behind most of all I'll miss Abuela's whispers Doing the lotto pick six every Christmas In five years when this whole city's rich folks and hipsters Who's gonna miss this raggedy little business? When the power goes off in the middle that divides Acts 1 and 2, it feels to me like that is the the silent, invisible hand of gentrification going, okay, we've turned off the lights, we've turned off the power, we've turned off the air conditioning, now we'll let you sweat doing absolutely nothing. You can't even function. If you leave, we'll then be able to move in and effectively terraform this area. We regret allocating it to you in the first place. And th- this is strangely at odds with Abuela's, I, th- I feel like her, her motto, her mantra, patience and faith, patience and faith, just hang on, hold on a bit longer, just wait, the Lord will provide, it has a bittersweet edge to it. Because if you are patient enough, they'll slowly build a Starbucks around you. Okay, moving on. Now I'm thinking of the Lorax. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just kind of bummed out. Yeah, sorry, folks. Nina and Benny's relationship. Benny turns up early, and uh, he's a cocky shit and uh, great fun. And he's a really decent guy in the film. A little bit less so in the uh, stage play when he gets fired from the cab company because Kevin, uh, Jimmy Smith's character, Nina's father, is trying desperately to make ends meet. Uh, he sells the company and the like. He sells one half of the business to that dry cleaner, and then he's, the other half of the business yeah, just the, to pay for Nina's. At schooling. the start of the film, he's already sold it like mm. some time ago, long enough for the dry cleaner to move in and set up and, right. and look relatively established. But during the course of the film, he agrees to sell him the other half. Now, part of it is ostensibly because he needs to cover Nina's college tuition, this which is she one tells of the him not to. Yeah, this is one of the reasons why she is uh, angry with him for. Making making decisions on her behalf. However, she does also say he was having financial trouble even before then. So it's entirely possible, she will never know, but it's entirely possible that he would have had to sell it anyway, whether she'd been at college or not. But all she can see is uh, a college that's incredibly expensive that she doesn't want to do. And she is... Like, she feels immense pressure from the neighbourhood to succeed, to be the one who made it out. That's the direct line from the song. And... 
and she doesn't understand why, at least not until near the end of yeah. the film. But this is this is where part of... Sorry, I, I appreciate I'm going back to Kevin here, but this is where part of their... We, we must go in concentric circles. <laughs> this is part of where their, their conflict comes in because Nina... Is, it feels guilty about the fact that her community is having to support her for this college that she doesn't really feel like she wants. Mm. But for Kevin, saying he's selling so that he can pay for her college is a way for him to reframe a necessity as a noble sacrifice. To legitimise what could otherwise be seen as a defeat. Exactly. A failure. Yeah. Yeah, this is the other thing as well. The the layers of which everybody in this is making decisions for reasons other than the ones they will admit to mm. is brilliant. It and uh, musicals are fantastic for this because you can say one thing and then you get to sing something the completely opposite. different. And it's you it's, sit down on a tree stump or a trash can. Exactly, and it's director's choice whether the people around you know the underpinning reasons mm. for the song you're singing or whether yeah. that is entirely only shared with the audience. But the audience has to know because if you're up on stage, they're not going to get subtle nuances. Well, indeed, yes. <laughs> Musicals are not about subtle nuances. I declare exactly what's on my mind. <laughs> Yes. But uh, to me, it feels like Nina is using Benny as a... She says, thanks for the welcome wagon. That's what Benny is. She wants to come back. And she kind of rekindles a relationship with him, which he is more than happy to do because he's clearly besotted with her. And... In the stage play, when he gets fired from the cab company, he gets grouchy and crabby with her and effectively blames her for his sudden loss of, of, of position and his perceived failure because he's the one talking about doing deals and his money's making money and he's going up in the world. He's an entrepreneur. And then suddenly that all comes crashing down for apparently Nina's benefit. And Nina seems ungrateful because she doesn't want to go to college. So that version of Benny ends up a little bit more bitter. This version of Benny is the sweetest of possible guys. It really is. And it seems to be prepared to uh, just be there for her as support, long distance, to be here if she needs to come home. And he also cares about his job, which is uh, navigating and, and coordinating the, the taxis. He's really, really good at it, which also means he's extremely personable and has fine attention to detail. He's a catch. He is. <laughs> he is indeed. Check one, two, three. Check one, two, three. This is Benny on the dispatch. Yo, attention, yo. Attention. It's Benny and I'd like to mention I'm on the microphone this morning Honk your horn if you want it Okay, we got traffic on the west side Get off at 79 and take the left side A riverside drive, you might slide Weston's your best friend if you catch the lights And don't take the Deegan Big Poppy is in town this weekend Sorry, the men can stick Route 87 You ain't getting back in again Hold up a minute you're home today Any sign Of your dad, he's on this way Anyway It's good to see your face Anytime Hold up a minute, wait You used to run this dispatch, right? Once or twice We'll check the technique Yo, there's a traffic accident I have to mention Not the intersection of Tip Avenue The Jacob Javis Convention Center And check it, don't get stuck in the rubber neck And on 192nd, there's a double back of bus wreck Now listen up, we got a special guest Driving direct from a year out the west Welcome my back, cause she looks mad stressed Nina Rosario, the barrio's best 
wait here with me It's getting hot outside Turn up the AC Stay here with me And one of the, the elements of Benny that I really appreciated was he is... He has a slightly odd relationship with the community is that he in that he isn't or doesn't seem to be as embedded in it as everybody else is. His connection is through Nina uh, and through Kevin, who at the moment, although, you know, for a limited amount of time, is his employer. But when the blackout happens and it becomes apparent that his skill is needed, he he steps straight up to the plate. Yeah. He, he goes back to the dispatch office and start and and um, with some uh, electronic jiggery poker, he manages yeah. to get the phone. He uses a generator. And it's is, great to see. Yeah, yeah, his focus is is on um, uh, uh, getting cabs to pick up people who are in trouble and take them to safety or the hospital. Exactly. Yeah. Again, he's a really good guy in the stage play. Benny and Nina disappear to his place and bone. One assumes. <laughs> And uh, uh, Kevin spends the night in the blackout frantically searching for her, which is why he's so angry the next day. Um, So we don't get the song Sunrise, where uh, Benny's uh, learning Nina's Puerto Rican uh, language. really great shot of uh, Benny working side by side with Kevin both wearing headsets both trying to coordinate at the same time and just this is it's human decency they don't have to be doing this it's dangerous to be out there's looting happening in the stage play uh, Uznavi's bodega gets looted as well which uh, I think they held back on that because of the narrative Trump was trying to push throughout his uh, um, ascent towards presidency and then throughout his presidency of immigrants coming into this country and being nothing but criminals. I think the most criminal thing that happens in this, there's a, there's a little, a wee tiny bit of looting, but it's mainly Graffiti Pete, who sounds like a character from a Burger King Kids Club meal that you're supposed to catch and tattletale <laughs> on. But yeah, he, 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 he tags things. But they they refocus away from crime and looting because ultimately playing into Trump's vision of the inner cities as uh, as nests of vipers that are uh, that shouldn't be there, it works counter to the point that they're making, which is this actually is America. It's worth noting, by the way, that if they remade this movie in the next few years, there is further updates that they would have to apply because at the moment New York is undergoing an immigrant crisis because people from Texas and other cities on the border are bussing 
people crossing the border to New York, to Washington, and America has, uh, America, sorry, New York has had to cope with something like 17,000 immigrants effectively being dumped on them since April. Since April of this year. This year and this yeah. is following years of the pandemic being at its absolute worst in New York and California. Indeed. And they are struggling. Mm. Shit. Mm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, Benny, uh, interestingly, Benny has absolutely no expectation on him at all uh, to, uh, you know, to, to be good, to be not good, to succeed or anything. He's the one who decides he's going to go places. But uh, in the end, ultimately, just being a really decent guy seems to be more than enough for him to consider himself a success. How is I've seen this movie a couple of times now. How is the situation with Nina uh, going back to college resolved? Because, like, you've got this argument and I never see her and her dad hash it out. And at the end of the movie, she just goes back to school. Like, yeah, no, uh, the thing that changes her mind actually pertains to Sonny. Can we hold it? Yeah, we can hold it. Because I definitely want to talk about that at the end. In terms of her being able to go back to college, because what she tells them when she first gets back is that the deadline's passed for her next Mm -hmm. semester's Mm -hmm. tuition to be paid. That is not true. Kevin calls the college and they say, And they say, no, you can absolutely pay us. How much is it? Oh, it's more than the Civil War cost. Yeah, and given that we know (laughs) that the deal for him to sell the other half of the the cab business goes Mm. through and does not get... Uh, interrupted and cancelled despite Nina and Benny's best efforts. My guess is that Kevin follows through and pays the tuition. Yeah, and that's, I called that's them. how that's resolved. Benny and uh, Nina are also uh, par- uh, subject to the best dance sequence in this. I would say, even though the uh, the the one at the club is fantastic with all of the whirling and twirling. This one, however, is extraordinary, and it's one of the reasons John M. Chu was an excellent choice for director. If you've watched Step Up 3, and who hasn't, uh, there's that uh, sequence... Many, many people. There's that... <laughs> there's a sudden sequence where, instead of it being just about breakdancing... What's the name of that uh, nerdy kid who's got the moves? I can't remember. Okay, the nerdy kid... <laughs> the nerdy kid who has the who moves. Who has the moves, and his That's nerdy Donatella, girlfriend. Right? Dancing with his girlfriend in what suddenly turns into a Gene Kelly sequence and it's rough because it's like a a one steady cam shot as they're going around the street and dancing up and down and around the awnings but it's one take it's astonishingly good find it on youtube and it's kind of the training wheels for this sequence uh, by John M. Chu, where Benny and uh, Nina are on the fire escape and the blackout has cleared up. And I, was ne- I, I wasn't sure until yesterday when we saw it, the blackout is not still on. It is, in fact, uh, you know, nearly uh, a month yeah, after. It's a month later and the, the lights have been back on yeah. the whole time. Yeah. What confused me was that the Piragua guy says blackouts are nice uh, at the very end in the stinger, oh, but yeah. that takes place during the blackout. So technically right. we're going back in time. Anyway, they dance up the side of the building, which sounds... The world turns upside uh, down. No, the world turns sideways Sideways. by precisely 90 (laughs) degrees. And I know how they did it, using a set that rotates so that gravity changes around. And it's against a green screen, so it can appear that the, uh, the street stays exactly where it is. But... I don't see the join and I don't care how they do it because it is pure cinematic delight to watch this happening. There's a reason why big dance numbers and musicals like this get Oscars all the time. The old folks love watching tributes to the the good old days of Hollywood musicals when you could just watch 
you know, physical excellence, you know, play out gracefully on screen. And anyone who's watched Singing in the Rain for the first time recently, like me, will be able to appreciate... Well, those those folks really could shoot a dance scene. Absolutely. Yeah. When I first found out that this was directed by John M. Chu, my first thought was, why John M. Chu? Then we watched all the Step Up movies, mm-hmm. including the two that he directed, and I went, oh, okay, that's definitely part of why John M. Chu. Yeah. But the other thing is, anybody who's seen Crazy Rich Asians will know how well he sells Singapore. Yeah. And his sense of place when he's directing is incredible. Also, Crazy Rich Asians is entirely compassionate to a uh, young lady who feels like she is not really of, uh, uh, of of Asia and she's not really of America Absolutely, either. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he, he was saying in the behind-the-scenes stuff, he definitely brought his own experiences and, and, um, and feelings around what's being explored in this to the the directing job even though this isn't his community mm. he could recognize the points of connection and the points of of parallel this uh the 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 double binder being an asian american is something that was missing from shang chi and i feel like if they were going to do anything for the sequel i don't care who he fights focus on that as an aspect uh for mm-hmm. for him uh, to uh, you know moving forwards because it's something it is something that affects a lot of people fewer of us have to actually fight our fathers with the magic rings that they found from an alien crash site than deal with the the idea of being a part of two worlds. Right. So Daniela and Carla, uh, Stephanie Beatriz uh, playing Carla, who it's ironic when I watch her in this, I'm like, wow, she's the lead in Encanto and she can really sing, but Carla barely gets to do anything. And I feel like this is how she got in as, as, uh, um, her character in Encanto, uh, but uh, Daniela is the uh, the lady who runs the salon. When they first wake up, they're sharing a bed, and she gives her a little peck on the cheek. And I came back and said that they're clearly a couple. And Sharon was like, "Ah, aren't they like mother and daughter?" And that's how light the lesbian relationship is in this. It's, I mean, if we scrape off the serial numbers, it could be a Disney. It's there, <laughs> but it's in things like Stephanie Beatriz's, the way she holds her body up against Carla. They are a couple. And uh, there's a little a little extra here and there stuff. And also when uh, Stephanie, <laughs> when Carla is referring to Benny's stretch limousine and says, as long as he keeps it clean... In this case, Stretch Limousine is a stand-in for... Giant dick! Hacker! Private! Woody! Wiener? Wang! Willie! Johnson! Yes, sir! Penis! The male reproductive organ, also known as tallywhacker, schlong, or... One-eyed monster! That hints at Stephanie Beatriz's own bisexuality, so potentially uh, uh, Carla is bi. Either way, it's the scraps that queer folk have to work with when they're given a film like on this. Whoever thought that there'd be queerness in a musical? On the, on the, on the plus <laughs> side, though, it is. this is a relationship that is there from, from start to finish. Mm. They are clearly very affectionate towards Jump each other. Jump Street is just a there few is, streets over, by the way. Yes, indeed. Uh, there is no gay pain or exploitation no, around just how they relate to each other. Yeah. And the fact that they both work in a very girly industry yeah. as well, I thought was quite sweet. 
I like how they they sort of draw you in. Like it's a song about uh, uh, Nomi Digger. Uh, I think that literally translates to "I don't know," uh, and the the idea of is gossip is currency. Which th- I mean, this this whole film also reminded me of Barbershop, which we only saw fairly recently, and that's. That's a film that white people will be like, oh, this isn't all that important. But if you sit and watch it with an eye to, like, you know, the uh, the story of uh, neighborhoods that have to cling to specific places or they disappear, mm. it it has a lot more weight attached to Absolutely. it. Absolutely, and there's there is a gossip is a bit of a two sided coin when it comes to it being a currency because the the element that. Certainly most people are most used to it being used as is you know something about somebody ahead of time that gives you an edge over them. It gives you a way to exert power over them because you know something. You can make decisions behind their back that are based on things you found Mm. out about them before they walked through the door. However, in this community, it is also used and I would say more often used as a way to make people feel comfortable when yeah. they walk through the door. Yes, all right, there's some gentle teasing about, for example, Nina's uh, developing relationship with Benny or Vanessa's attraction to Uznavi and very specifically... I just wanted to see what you'd say. Uznavi's <laughs> attraction to Vanessa. So I think somebody says to her at one point, why do you think you get all your coffee for free? You get all your <laughs> yeah. coffee for free. And I'm like, yeah, this has been going on for some time and she never figured that out yeah Um, vanessa's got blinders on but but they're using this this back talk and gossip as a way to reinforce bonds between people rather than stretch them to breaking point or Mm. sever them and that makes it uh acceptable sounds a bit bland but i have i am the kind of person who has always been very averse to gossip and talking about people behind their back but at the same time, I can see that if it's handled in a certain way, mm. there is value to it. It allows you to catch those people when you know they're falling. But much like Barbershop, the the threat is right there that they uh, Daniela has to move this business to a different place. And she, the rent's been put up. It's, it's become uh, apparent that uh, they're not going to be able to keep their clientele. They're not gonna, because people are not going to be able to take multiple trains and multiple stops and, and changes to get to a place to get where they get their hair done on their lunch break. This is not just a place you go to, uh, to to hang out and chill out. It's a place they have to rush to on a working day. But it's also the highlight of their working day if they are going there to, to, to chill out. Ultimately, to get me interested in gossiping women, it takes some real doing. And the way that this is coordinated is incredibly charming. Benny, 
That's a shitty piece of news. What the hell happened? I don't know. I don't know. What's up with the Piragua guy? <laughs> No, mate. Uh, this guy is played by Lin-Manuel Miranda in the uh, uh, film, uh, who obviously played Usnavi in the stage play. So it's almost like he's passing the torch as, the, as the, he's the first guy who Usnavi meets as he's opening up the uh, yeah. bodega. Um, what is Piragua and why is this guy so important? Well, maybe I should have some kind of definition in front of me before I just make myself look stupid. <laughs> I actually know uh, the answer to this, but I, I know that so, you yeah. found it interesting. Right. Yeah, it is. Oh, I said interesting. Shaved. Shit. I'm going to chase myself <laughs> around the garden with a bit of wood. <laughs> well, you said that I said it was interesting. So uh, really, I think I was misquoting you. Yeah. You wouldn't have said that. Well, I'd have chased you with a bit of wood. That's right. You got to you gotta work hard to get here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Piragua is a shaved ice dessert. It mm -hmm. is a snow cone. Hmm. If you're British, Mr. Frosty more than Slush Puppy? You guys don't have Mr. Frosty I'm, in America. I'm he was sorry. like a, he was a crappy little snowman you got as a kid in the eighties. Uh, you put ice in his head, and then you turn the handle, and this this aluminium wheel, the thickness of a Kit Kat wrapper, sort of nudges against the ice, goes round and round, and creates absolutely nothing. And then the absolutely nothing you can put in a small ice tray and then you can pour syrup on and eat it it's the most disappointing i ever bought when i was high one night and, <laughs> and then regretted in the morning why did i buy the fucking mr frosty just because i'd wanted it as a kid anyway it's it is literally <laughs> achieved by using what appears to be a cheese grater on a block of ice and then yep. uh, squirting syrup on it mm -hmm. yeah simple as that the pedagua guy goes around and calls out hey come buy one it's hot outside mm-hmm and yeah, see, he continues to show up again and again throughout the movie, seemingly out of nowhere. He's played by the creator of this whole shebang. Mm -hmm. It feels like he's one of those old bards. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he's like, pay attention to what's on screen and I can communicate to you the thesis of the movie. Mm -hmm. Like the, what, what you walk away with is what I'm is what I'm selling. <laughs> yeah. Thematically, uh, he's using a very old uh, method uh, of something that feels like it's uh, like 120 years old or so that would have been in, um, I don't know whether he comes from the Dominican Republic, but he definitely comes from the islands. So, I 
believe Lin-Manuel Miranda himself does come from the DR. Okay. So, uh, yeah, he's effectively using this lo-fi, low-tech, culturally significant treat. Yeah. Uh, I love the fact that one of the um, flavors he says at the beginning is, just for today, I've got mame, which is a rare fruit that specifically comes from only specific islands and won't be familiar to anyone in England. But I had Karu Nagisa describe to me roughly what the taste was, and I approximated it to melonish. Yeah, he's up against Mr. Softy, who is a man who drives an ice cream truck, which is powered by electricity for the refrigerators and the machine and uh, obviously diesel fuel for the uh, engine. It's a much more high-tech version of this shaved ice thing. So uh, when the blackout happens, going back to an analogue way of distributing frozen treats actually works very much in uh, Piragua's favour. It's a scenario where something that seems outmoded could last longer than something which seems really useful now. Mm. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of mirrored by the scene after the lights have gone out. Everybody's looking for ways to provide light mm. and specifically guidance. How are we going to get people to where they need to be? And there's... People using the fo- the torch on their phones at the point where everybody's panicking. And although this does present them with light, it doesn't really tell them anything. There's Sonny's idea to set off the fireworks so that everybody gets a bit more of a, an overview of light. But these are brief, momentary flashes. They're not going to yeah. be able to provide something for everybody. And then there's Abuela lighting candles. Yeah. Okay, so... The main musical hook that uh, Mr. Piragua has mm-hmm. is Keep Scraping By. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's necessarily the final message <laughs> of the movie because, you know, there's a lot of things about family and dreams, etc. But for him and for, you know, a lot of us day to day that we we persevere. It's not about the struggle. It's about the fact that we continue to struggle yeah. through our own devices. And, I mean, he has his own arc, uh, <laughs> uh, minute as it is, but he kept scraping by and he gets a lot of business by, at the, in, the, in the last stinger of the movie. And it's, mm. it's just a triumphant moment uh, to see him with that reprise, and yeah. uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a humble little life that he has a lot of joy from. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Jackson uh, played the uh, Peter, uh, played Mr. Softy in the film. He played George Washington in Hamilton, uh, and he was Benny for uh, from 2005 to 2008 in the stage play. So it's like he again the, these uh, the veterans are uh, ushering the newcomers uh, onto yeah. the uh, the front stage. They're the old guard. Yeah. So sweet and nice piragua Tengo de mango, tengo de parcha, de piña y de fresa Tengo de china, de limón, de peso y de peseta Hey, piragua, piragua, no placa vais piragua Piragua, piragua, so sweet and nice piragua Hotter than the islands are today 
Mr. Softy's trying to shut me down But I keep scraping by till I can say Hey, Bana, I run this town Piragua, Piragua Keep scraping by Piragua, Piragua, Piragua Keep scraping by Piragua Keep scraping by, keep scraping by Usnavi, <sighs> the opening sequence is absolutely fucking fantastic. Uh, you'll find with musicals that most of them, one of their strongest songs is the opener because that's the one that people first get to listen to when they put the album on. You've got to start strong with a musical. You can't have a song that's ho-hum or you won't have heard of that musical. Uh, and the actual, just the the way that the the world, the thesis of the of the story, the film, the stage play, all gets laid down in it's it's many minutes long. It's 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 a long ass song, but yeah. then uh, it it's it has a zest, and it 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 is in the heights. Effectively, it's 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 Uznavi recognizing everything he loves about the place he lives, but he's also yearning to be in the Dominican Republic where his parents came from, and. From you, you can gather that he's actually visited this place many, many times. He hasn't since his parents died. Now, when I first got into this, I thought that Abuela had... Well, she, yeah, she practically raised me, which made me wonder uh, how close he was to his parents and how long ago they died. But apparently, he has been back to the DR um, several times. Uh, a couple of years ago uh, was his uh, most recent visit. He's actually trying to buy a piece of property over there. Was that his parents' previous home? I believe so. It was like where his dad owned a business over there. That's it, yeah. And it, it seems to have been trashed by a hurricane or something, in the, according to the picture. So he's he's saved up his money and he's effectively rebought this property. His dream is to go back to the Dominican Republic where he never actually mentions anyone who's actually over there. It's more just the idea of going back there, that his parents wanted to go back there and uh, that I think he keeps talking about the best years of his life, doesn't he? Yes. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, he, he would have spent his early days there as a kid and he's romanticised it all out of proportion. But it's kind of become his dream and sort of gets him through the day as he's ser- serving people coffee. They repeatedly say that everyone comes to his bodega to get their coffee uh, and that he's kind of a, a key part of their day. So his removal from this neighborhood will mean something. And Uznavi's arc is to realize by the end that he's kind of been making his home all this time whilst also wishing he was somewhere else. It's one of the classic storytelling types, someone who desperately wants something that they want, but eventually in the achieving the thing they want, because he eventually gets the money to do that because of this winning lottery ticket, 
And even he was even able to get there on his own steam anyway, without the help from Abuela's uh, uh, money. In the uh, stage play, the lottery ticket really is the thing that gets him in gear. Finally, like it, t- it takes him a while, and I feel like they focused the film more on his relationship with Vanessa being the thing that makes him realize where home is. Because if you uh, you can't really gather that much from just listening to that piece of music from the stage play soundtrack. Hold on. Yeah. Because this film is two hours and 20 minutes long, and the full soundtrack is one hour and 12 minutes. So that is an hour and 10 minutes of speech in between those songs. So that's a, that's a, it's not like Les Miserables or Cats, where everything is sung by everyone. Now at the dawn of revolution, one young man will give up everything for a woman he's met through a fence. Corrupting a heart, breaking a romance We know nothing about because the entire subplot is glossed over To make room for countless scenes of Borat Which means that a lot of the, the subtleties and the nuance You don't really get until you actually see the whole thing You're only really getting half of it It's the important half because it's the music But a lot of the details are absent for if you just listen to the stage As I recall, Hamilton is also one of the ones where Barely anything is spoken, it's all sung As far as training wheels go, this is pretty accomplished as it is to start with. And the fact that Hamilton is absolutely transcendent, even with the troublesome, well, the Founding Fathers did have slaves. And all of the shit uh, ever since that has uh, kind of plagued that show as people reevaluate it and go, should we be celebrating the formation of white America? You must be out of your goddamn mind if you think the president is going to bring the nation to the brink of meddling in the middle of a military mess, a game of chess where France is queen and kingless. Who signed a treaty with a king whose head is now in a basket? Would you like to take it out and ask it? Or should we honor our treaty, King Louis' head? Uh, do whatever you want. I'm super dead. Enough. Enough. The actual show itself is one of the best musicals ever. And, I, and honestly, in film form, as it's, it's kind of like a Pokemon that's reached its final form. It's like In the Heights has actually managed to transcend its uh, its kind of off-Broadway beginnings and, and become like a, a really, really solid musical that says something about America. You had me at Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that my, my only experiences with both of these uh, shows is the Disney Plus Hamilton, mm-hmm. where it's just they filmed the Broadway play mm-hmm. with some dynamic camera. It, that, it's, well, sure. it's pretty astonishing. Yeah, I'm so glad great. that happened. Yeah. You should watch it as it is, and I'm glad that's preserved. Mm. But I've got – that is my experience with Hamilton, watching Hamilton. And then this as a movie. You know, I don't have any experience with it as a play. Yeah. If you just take those two, I do prefer this movie of In the Heights to the show of uh, the, the 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 Disney Plus edition of yeah. Hamilton. I just I really like this. Maybe it's just the story. I don't know, but I just I like this. I can completely understand. Yeah, yeah. I love uh, that mentioned in Uznavi's uh, opening number. They they talk about flags, and I hang my flag uh, up on display. It reminds me that I came from miles away. The identity shown by the neighborhood and Uzanavi mentions food and that's uh that's something that you bring from the place you were to bring a little piece of home and kind of regain the sense memory of being there or if you've never been there to feel like you can go there by eating what was what was from there and John M. Chu is really really good at doing food I'm surprised he didn't do more in this 96,000 damn 
Sack full of jack after taxes. 96, I know precisely what I'm doing. What you doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? It takes half of that cash just to save my ass from financial ruin. Sonny can keep the coffee brewing. I spend a few on you, cause the only room with the view is a room with you in it. And I could give up with like Claudia the rest of it. Just fly me down to Puerto Plata, I make the best of it. You really love this business? No. Tough. Merry Christmas. You not the youngest tycoon in Washington, is nuts. Yo, in 96,000, I'd finally fix housing Give the body your computers and wireless web browsing Your kids are living without a good education. Change the station, teach them about gentrification The rent is escalating, the rich are penetrating We pay our corporations when we should be demonstrating What about immigration? Politicians be hating Racism in this nation's gone from latent to blatant I cash my ticket in piggy, invest in protest Never lose my focus to the city, takes notice And you know this man Sleep because the ghetto has a million promises for me to keep. You were so cute. <laughs> I was just thinking off the top of my head. Very specifically, there was a major theme here for uh, is home where your heart is or is your heart found at home? Do you want to explain uh, your what what really hooked you for this particular theme? There's a trope in stories about found families that really bothers me. Where they come together, uh, you see this a lot in um, TV shows and stuff as they're ending. And where where do we where do we go with the characters that you followed for a long time? A lot of times in these stories, you'll have 
characters are like, oh, I got a promotion, which means I have to move, or I, I, there's, there's this path that I want to go on that I have to go by myself. I really dislike when stories do this because we've spent a, a whole lot of time watching them as a unit, as a family, whichever characters. So to end your story by saying, actually, they're better apart just really rubs me the wrong way. I really like it when stories say, you know what? We're going to do this. Uznavi is about to go off. He's got his dream. He's ready to go. Everything's paid for. But the lesson that he learns at the end through the dialogue and through his final song that brings back a lot of themes and a lot of lyrics from past songs is, no, I am at my best when I am with these people. It's the family that he's built. It's the family that he loves. And he has some responsibilities um, that he might be leaving behind. Like We'll get to him, but he has a real close connection with Sonny. And if he goes back home, he's kind of leaving Sonny out to dry. Vanessa feels, uh, you know, through her arc, feels more comfortable with Uznavi around. To get to the question of where is your heart, where is your home, he, his heart, his dream, all this time has been focused on the DR, about going back to that place. That's what he has considered home. Mm. But home all this time for him, it's not for everybody, but has been where he has spent all of this time and where he has made these connections with all of these people. They have dinners with community members, not just people that are closely related but like the 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 boutique ladies and abuela and everybody from the shops are regularly it's not just for special occasions regularly getting together to share a meal and that's what uznavi's leaving behind it i really appreciate that they don't all split up but they in fact will remember each other and come together and honor the the location of home mm. being where being where their family is the framing device for this at the beginning and the end, and is uh, uh, we go back to it several times in the middle, is Uznavi on the beach in the Dominican Republic telling a bunch of kids practically a fable about this magical place called Washington Heights. Say its name so it doesn't disappear. I, again, I love that. And by the end, it turns out that he's only been sitting on a figurative beach because... Graffiti Pete has drawn this beautiful uh, tableau from memory based on the photographs that uh, were by Usnavi's countertop. He's been, and we find this out closer to the end, that he, one of the kids is his daughter. And the thing that keeps him here is that the idea, the romantic idea of home, is something that can be brought with you. And that if, in his case... It's something that's been developing his entire life. So going home would, in fact, be leaving home for him. Which is the same thing that Nina's already been through. It's the same thing that Vanessa slams up against when she tries yeah. to leave. It, it catches all of them in a different way. That idea that... I, I, I really get what you mean there, Name. The idea that having a found family, but then you're going to have to leave them in order to grow, in order to really, truly become your best self 
you're better off breaking off into a little nuclear set and going finding yourself a little apartment somewhere where you can get a better job and raise your own kids. Are we all talking about the finale of Friends? Yeah, I think so. Why does Friends keep turning up in this show? <laughs> well, it's not just Friends. It's 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 other shows like um, Two and a Half Men. Going to go on a tirade. Here. I don't watch TV. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I mean, like How I Met Your Mother, uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine does this to a certain extent, but I really like how they end that show. Mm. Uh, th- that that's also kind of an, an antithesis to this trope. Uh, one of my favorite shows, Chuck, does this, which. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in in particular, I would say the the element of it of going off to have your own kids, it just the degree to which you need community around you mm. when you're having kids going off to be by yourself to have children makes no sense it's a little move out to the suburbs yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. not to put too fine a point on it right personally i don't think it's as black and white as leaving your found family to forge your own path is only disappointing as an ending in fact, there was quite a good movie that did exactly that this year. We were always searching for a family until we found each other. Are you ready for one last ride? We'll all fly away together. To the forever and beautiful sky. No, what disappoints me far more than that is the commodification and weaponization of the term and the concept family which, much like the word and concept for hope, is being spammed by so many hollow films that the words themselves are ceasing to have meaning. I lost one family! I ain't gonna lose another one! No, shut up, Suicide Squad. You do not get to have that word. Our friends can come back from the dead if we all clap our hands together and believe. Because I just thought she was, um, like a jaded, kind of rebel, fugitive... Um, living on the other side of the law. I guess I I was wondering where all this optimism comes from. It seems like she gets it very early on and then continues to have it no matter what. I like it. It's good. Santa will come if we just believe in the magic of Christmas. Hope is the crystal that powers the death star of our dreams. Just, are most of these lines about hope? Vanessa, who's the uh, character we've mentioned repeatedly but hasn't really gotten the spotlight yet, uh, she has an amazing power to her songs, and yet she could be interpreted as a character who is frustratingly blinkered for so much of the actual film because she spends the entire time going, I'm going, I am out of here, I will see, like, this is the last time you'll see me. I'm gone, bye-bye, Go- see ya. I can't wait to get on the elevator train and just fly away, but not as not even away from this place. I need to go uptown, and then I need to go to JFK, and I need to get on a plane and fly away. I kind of want to know more about Vanessa and what got her to the point where she wants to escape 
everything to the point where she doesn't want friends at all she does she's like i don't let boyfriends stay i don't uh, you know i don't allow myself to get attached to anyone because it makes it easier to uh, to achieve this dream of living slightly further uptown or i suppose it'd be downtown now i guess they're they're developing different parts of uh, manhattan uh yeah i think it's downtown she goes to that's that's the posh end um but there's there's two Closer things to the stock exchange yeah there's two things that happen with vanessa which are unspoken visual cues as to what might be going on with her. There's an awful lot of room for interpretation, but these are two that I really, really like. The first is when she goes to... She's left the salon. She works at the salon. She's left for her lunch break, but she is going downtown to try and sign the application for this apartment that she Mm. desperately wants. And... Because she wants to be a fashion designer. Yeah. Now, this is the thing. She's she's incredibly artistic, incredibly creative, makes all her own clothes, wants to be a downtown fashion designer, I think is the way Usnavi specifically phrases it. Mm-hmm. She goes to the bins behind the New York College of Fashion and Design. Nice. She dumps the steal dives. material. Yeah. Because yeah. it inspires her. There is no indication that she is making any attempt to get into said college. Mm. So her reasoning for going downtown is not for education. It's not to leave for the same reason that It's to acquire is. materials with less of a train travel. Well, yeah, that, that could <laughs> I be think part it, of it. I think it's specifically to be able to attract a crowd who she feels is going somewhere and then she'll be going but somewhere. But again, that, that conversation is never had. The impression that I get is that in Vanessa's head... Fashion designers don't come from Washington Heights. That's all it is. To her mind, she has to be elsewhere if she wants to be a fashion designer. Mm. And that is something that eventually she learns is like the opposite is true. But we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. You can talk about it now. Uh, Well, it's to do with the creative block. The fact that when she leaves, she... um, Actually ends up getting yeah, the new. She apartment. gets the place. She gets everything she wants because Usnavi gets. Uh, she she's told, no, you can't uh, get this place you want. Even though you have saved up the money for the deposit, yeah, you need her uh, credit check failed. Your credit check failed. You need someone to co-sign for this. Can your parents pay? Was it forty right. times the rent? It's, no, no, no. All they have to yeah. do it's not to pay. It's just to demonstrate it's to be a guarantor. That their, their income is is forty times the yeah. rent, which is it's fairly standard when you're applying for a, a new place. And they, we never ever hear about Vanessa's parents. I think she's an orphan. That's the other thing, the the unspoken thing, because when her parents are mentioned, her face just freezes in a smile, but she never says they're not around. Or anything. She does not mention them at all. For whatever reason, the absence of Vanessa's parents is really, really significant. Mm. But then, in order for her to be able to get this apartment eventually, uh, Usnavi speaks to Daniela, Daniela. who is her boss, Mm. Vanessa's boss, and asks her to sign, to co sign the form so that she can get this apartment. Now, when I first saw this, Vanessa makes a really big deal about thanking Usnavi for doing this for her and saying it's the nicest thing anyone's done. And part of my brain was going, hang on a minute, Daniela's done the nice thing. She's the one who signed the form. She's about to gladly shag Usnavi for doing this nice thing. I'm like, I'm sure Daniela would like some of that. Well, indeed. But (laughs) but I realised this time that the the reason that this is such a a kind and personal thing for Usnavi to do is because 
Vanessa could have asked Daniela to do that for her at any time. Yeah. But she would never, ever ask for the help. Yeah. What Usnavi has done is recognised that Vanessa will not ask for help herself. And that's the thing he does for her. It's not the getting the form signed. Mm. It's the realising that somebody else needs to ask yeah. for her. And the not having parents around... I think feeds into that because when you are so used to being on your own from a very, very early age, you learn pretty damn quickly that asking for help is sometimes, in fact, often a useless endeavour. So you just don't do it. The elevator train by my window doesn't face me anymore. The rattling screams don't disrupt my dreams It's a lullaby in its way The elevated train drives everyone insane But I don't mind, oh no When I bring back boys They can't tolerate the noise And that's okay, cause I never let them
So that's uh, Usnavi taking up Abuela's uh, mantle as the centre of this neighbourhood. Exactly, the parent becoming the heart. His dream of opening a bar in the Dominican Republic is simply, he, he still sort of opens like this little bar area in the bodega. He refits the bodega and, and brings that dream mm. to where he already is. Yeah, but he still point. maintains the idea that this is this is the focal point. And in so many communities, the bar, the speakeasy, the, the place where everybody can come and sit and relax and Have talk to someone is like a really key part of it and that's what he ends up doing is building home around him and that Vanessa to fend off the Starbucks well yeah but (laughs) well you you have a coffee with him in the morning and then you have a beer with him at night exactly (laughs) precisely but that uh, that that candle flame that is home is extremely appealing to Vanessa having found that getting out to this apartment in in the downtown area, she can't create, she can't design. She's lost all the things that inspire her. Mm. And the the leaving her home environment, far from being, once I get out of here, I can be free to create what I want, she realises where that creative drive is originating and is drawn back to it. Uh, another big change from the stage play, Carnaval del Barrio, which is um, Daniela's fantastic song to get everyone up and moving. Yeah. In this film, everyone's depressed because Abuela has died. There's that wonderful Alavanza song where they all, mm, not going to be able to get through this. Everyone on the block turns up holding a candle outside her window. She she reminds a lot of people of their grandmothers. My grandmother came from Alexandria, wasn't it? And she was from Italian and French Italian heritage. Italian French descent, yeah. She was mm. born in Egypt. But born in Egypt. And it's it's hard not to find that connotation. But I was born in 1871. The last year in which adults believe that there are no monsters. No real ones. Now I know for certain that there are. But my grandmother is far behind me. Nor one day passes when I do not miss those warm, papery hands. Pronounced at the scene, she was already lying in bed. Paramedics said that her heart gave out. I mean, that's basically what they said. They said a combination of the stress and the heat, why she never took her medicine, I'll never understand. I like to think she went out in peace, with pieces of breadcrumbs in her hand. Abuela Claudia had simple pleasures. She sang the praises of things we ignore. Glass Coke bottles, breadcrumbs, and a sky full of stars. She cherished these things. She'd say alawansa. Alawansa means to raise this thing to God's face and to sing quite literally praise to this. When she was here, the path was clear. 
She was just here. She was just here. Alabanza. Alabanza, Doña Claudia, Señor, alabanza. 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 Alabanza, Doña Claudia, Señor, alabanza. 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 Alabanza, Doña Claudia, Señor, alabanza. 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 Alabanza, Doña Claudia, Señor, alabanza. In the stage play, everyone's feeling uh, lethargic and, and useless before Abuela dies. So the, again, just that slight readjustment is a really good uh, uh, decision to make because it, yeah. it means that people have lost. Uh, uh, Usnavi says that the in in the last song, and it's so fast you, you'd miss it, that the stoop she sat on was her throne that she was effectively the queen of this neighbourhood. Mm. Uh, it's in the same way that uh, Nina's song of um, Breathe turns up in the film after Benny's done his dispatch. So she turns up, she smiles, Benny says, hey, how's it going? And then he shows off his technique and then gets her to say good morning to all the cab drivers. And then she just sort of plasters on a grin and then walks out and then sings to us, the audience, her misgivings, Breathe. It's, it's a much better arrangement in, the, in that way. Like all of the decisions that I can see, apart from maybe losing Inutil for Kevin, mm. though the way that that works seems to be more on the, f- like uh, Jimmy Smith's connections on the phone and, and trying to do business and, and, and shoving money around and his strange way of arguing with his daughter without ever really getting terse and angry and losing his temper. But it, it's he's... Not in that sort of terrifying way that fathers do that make you feel like you should never argue with them, but in this kind of he's closed off to the idea of negotiation on this. If he accepts any uh, negotiation or bending uh, on this particular matter, he is not being a good father. He attaches his worth to his ability to keep them financially successful. It's entirely possible the only reason that they dropped in a teal is because Jimmy Smith can't sing. 
Maybe. <laughs> also, uh, the uh, character of Camilla, Nina's mother, does point out what a son of a bitch Kevin's father was. So don't try to be like him because you being this stubborn reminds me of him. She was the person who, who met this guy. Oh my God, enough. Now you listen to me. Mom, carajo, I said enough. I'm sick of all this fighting. I think you said enough. Now listen to what I say. What I say goes. Papi, you pushed us all the way. I'm trying to. I don't want to hear it. We make decisions as a family. I'm throwing Benny out like that. You sound just like your father. We both know what a son of a bitch she was. You think it all comes down to you. Tommy, let's talk about it. No, 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 you don't. When you have a problem, you come home. You don't go off and make matters worse on your own. One day you're gonna come back home, and you're not gonna find me waiting anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn right you're sorry. So you stayed out all night. I'm talking now. You scared us half to death. You know that right. I'm sorry. Don't apologize to me. You save it for your father. What? Look at your father. He doesn't sleep when you're gone. He's worked his whole life to help you go farther. And he can't admit when he's wrong. Now who does that remind you of? Deserve each other For months you lied to us What did we do To make you think we wouldn't do anything and everything for you When you have a problem you come home You don't run off and hide from your family all alone You hear me? When you have a problem One other thing about Vanessa that I absolutely love is uh, that Usnavi says totally seriously that he loves her art and he just wants to see the world through her eyes. And that comes through in that when she finally gets cre uh, creatively motivated by using Graffiti Pete's old uh, paint cloths as clothing accentuating uh, uh, items. First off, I was like, you're not going to use actual ones, though, right? Because the moment you stick those in the wash, they're fucked. And the guy down the uh, the street's charging $9 a shirt. There is... Um, Just don't wash them. There is something never wash that you can use to set yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. in clothing fabric. Okay. So my guess <laughs> sure. is Very that funny. she runs yeah. everything through. But the point is that you're wearing the street in all of its its, its crazy messiness on your well-organised outfit. And also, Vanessa, the, the costume designer, really worked well on Vanessa's outfits. They all look fantastic, even though it's clear she bought every item at a thrift store. 
They don't match, but she makes it work. Mm, yeah. I love that. One of the things that I really appreciate about the fact that the, the there's two very artistic, creative people in this story, and that's Vanessa and Pete, mm. and both of them have an art which has a practical application. Yeah. Vanessa makes clothes and Pete, Pete decorates things. Yeah. yeah. Did you catch the name of, uh, we, we sort of flash forward and find out that after the framing device shows that uh, Usnavi did not go back to the Dominican Republic and in fact stayed, did you catch the daughter's name? Iris. Iris. To see the world through your eyes. That is a lovely. And, and Iris is in this final shot where it sort of zooms in and it's that's a kind of a... She's going to be all right working out her own path in the world because mm. these young people now reaching parental age have gone through all of this strife and stress and actually learned a few things so they aren't going to then you know dump that on the next generation which by the way whenever any previous generation says this generation is too soft they should have to go through more hardship no they shouldn't they like that them working together and them caring about each other and other people is not a weakness you should want your kids and your grandkids to have a better life and that goes way beyond financial you want them to have better minds up here and to be safer inside mm. But it also involves recognising that the challenges that your kids face is not the same set of challenges that you went through. So the skills that you acquired through your hardships that you that some people, for some reason, seem to resent that the next generation doesn't have those particular skills. Why do they need those particular skills? They're meeting a different set of challenges. <laughs> They've killed the napkin industry. But they can't <laughs> learn literally everything. <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing on the street I never thought I'd see the day Since when I Latin people scared of heat When I was a little girl Growing up in the hills of Vega Alta My favorite time of year was Christmas time Ask me why Why? There wasn't an ounce of snow But oh, the coquito would fly as we sang the aguinaldo, the carnaval would begin to grow. Business is closed, and we're about to go. Let's have a carnaval del barrio. Carnaval del barrio. Carnaval. Barrio Carnaval Carnaval Del Barrio Barrio Carnaval Del Barrio Barrio We don't need electricidad Get off your butt Avanza Saca la maraca Bring your tambourine Come and join the parranda Hey As you go. 
whatever comes into your head, just so long as you sing. Oh, my mom is Dominican Cuban, my dad is from Chile NPR, which means I'm Chile Dominican. But I always say I'm from Queens. Vanessa, don't pretend that Usnav is your friend. We don't know that he loves you. <laughs> wow. Now that you mention that sexual tension, it's easy to see. Yo, this is bogus. Haven't you noticed? You get all your coffee for free. Hey! School of Movies is funded by Patreon. And our $15 sponsors get credit every episode. So a big Carnaval del Barrio shout-out to Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alejandra Vargas, Alex Brewington, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clausen, Joe Gluck, Kat Essman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Marty Polmeyer, Matthew A. Siebert, Michael Hasco, Sean Doran, Toby Skills Jungius, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Tom Painter, Timu Hellas Hayo, and Sarah Montgomery. So, have you have any of you guys played a short hike to Indy? Yes. Yes. Not for yeah. too long, but I, I, uh, I watched both Sharon and Willow play. I, I finished oh. the story. Oh, cool. Well I, didn't, I didn't complete all the collection. Yeah. You got reception? I, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just love that game. Uh, the, feel, I'm going to talk about that game for a minute because it relates to Vanessa. Go for it. Uh, feel free to play some of the beautiful score by, uh, by Mark Sparling. A Short Hike is a game that's also kind of finding peace in your little corner of home. There's a side quest that rewards you a golden feather. Following this artist all around the island, this artist character has been invited to a big art show in the big city. And they are so excited, but they are struggling to find which piece to bring. So you follow them around from location to location as this artist is painting one set, or maybe they're by the graveyard, or maybe they're by the river, or maybe they're by the top of the mountain. They are struggling in their self-doubt because they have a lot of pressure to be big enough for the big city. They're like, this is all too quaint. This is all. This is not what the bigwigs want. This is not what viewers want. I need to really, really make for them. And the dialogue that is shared between your character and the artist eventually comes to the conclusion that it's better to make art for yourself and to make art for um, with what you know you know it, it's such a it's such an adage at this point but you write what you know you create what you know and that earnestness comes through when you are sticking to what you love and so at the at very end of that little arc not only is 
the artist painting right where they started, literally in the location that you met them. But they're also painting people that are in the area, incorporating what makes the whole space. I don't have the exact dialogue, but they say that uh, the park ranger is part of the island too, is part of the park as well. I, I think that's great. To connect this back to Vanessa, she is really trying to get into literally the big city to, so that she can have her art flourish so she can be as big as she wants to be. But the second that she gets over there, she's got that block. She can't create anything. The second that she gets into her new apartment, she can't design at all. Her fingers can't move. When she gets the, the what are they, the paint rags, mm -hmm. literally in her hands, and the, the the heartbeat of this of her city comes back to her. And that's when she makes stuff that is better than anything that she's made before because it's really tangent like physically tied into her identity and her arts identity. It's what she knows, yeah. 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 And from then on she's just she's just a, a spinstress. She's 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 solved the problem. And it's not because she left, but it's because she came back. Yeah, uh, Nina and Benny are, are both kind of like Nina's journeying out and Benny wants to journey out. But at the same time, both of them feel this intense draw back to this particular place that has sort of, you know, become their home. And Vanessa and Usnavi seem both desperate to get away, uh, you know, for ideas and ideals and, uh, that they haven't really been able to examine in a safe way. Because you have to kind of be there to realize, or at least be on the way to, to start realizing, oh, actually, this may be what I want, but it's not necessarily what I need. Incidentally, the reason that I uh, got back into this was uh, after the Batgirl uh, film was dropped from uh, production, Leslie Grace, who plays Nina, was going to be Batgirl on screen. And uh, I'm sure Warner Brothers will do something with this in the future. So I hope that this dates uh, or they'll bring her back in some capacity. But there was something very poignant about Nina feeling like she had failed. She went out, she tried to do something and then it got shut down. And I'm like, yep, that's, uh, that's exactly what Leslie Grace is now currently facing as this person who went through all of the being of a superhero on camera. They just had to, you know, finish it off and, and just, you know, add the effects yeah. and things. But uh, it's it's sort of art mirroring what would become life. And yeah. I just wanted to hear her voice. And I just kept, this is a great musical to just get up in the morning and start listening to, just to get on your feet. It is, it's, that, it's that opening number that just, uh, you know, gets me moving. But... In the film, Nina's realization as to I need to go back to college is very specifically linked to Sunny, which it isn't in the stage play. In the stage play, she finds, uh, she, she ruminates on Abuela having taught her everything she knows and, uh, and feels like Abuela would want her to go out and, uh, and learn more and to, to take the bruises. In this album, there's a picture of the ladies at Daniela's. You can tell it's from the 80s by the volume of their hair. There's Usnavi, just a baby, 87 Halloween. If it happened on this block, Abuela was there. Every afternoon. 
She'd make sure I did my homework. She could barely write her name. But even so, she would stare at the paper and tell me, Bueno, let's review. Why don't you tell me everything you know? In this album, there's a picture of Abuela in Havana. She is holding a rag doll, unsmiling, black and white. I wonder what she's thinking. Does she know that she'll be leaving for the city on a cold, dark night? And on the day they ran, did she dream of endless summer? Did her mother have a plan? Or did they just go? Did somebody sit her down and say, Claudia, get ready? Leave behind everything you know, everything I know. What do I know? In this folder. There's a picture from my high school graduation with the program mint condition and a star beside my name. Here's a picture of my parents as I left for California. She saved everything we gave her, every little scrap of paper and our lives are in Boxes while the woman who held us is gone. But we go on, we grow so tight. Abuela, if you're up there, I'll make you proud of everything I If the voice of the stage version of Nina sounds familiar, I believe it's Mandy Gonzalez who played Angelica in the most well-known production of Hamilton. But in this, it's more to do with Sonny. Sonny is, a, a, he's just so much fun. Whenever he's got his parts in the musical number, my favorite song in this movie is 96,000. 96,000. Uh, yeah. But what I like about Sonny is that he is, like I said, so much fun, but also so like involved in everybody's lives. Like he's really rooting for Usnavi. He's really, um, <laughs> is it Nina that was his babysitter? Mm-hmm. Is that, she was my yeah. babysitter first. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she, he's really involved in everyone's lives and really rooting for them. And he does things with them. He's, 
I don't want to say the only kid in the movie. I mean, but he's got that younger perspective and he reminds mm-hmm. you who we're living for and who we're paving the way for. Yeah. He's the one who and specifically can't remember the place he came from. He was just a baby. Yeah. And yeah, and this is all amplified exponentially by the fact that they're like he does have a battle in front of him. Yeah. And the character he, Andy Garcia plays in this is also brand new because he is reflective of Sonny's uh, difficulty and struggle, which is mounted up from ver- relative to the stage play. Okay, There's a, a, the winning lottery ticket of 96,000. It's a big mystery as to who won. Uh, it turns out it's Abuela. Uh, in the stage play, she gives uh, Uznavi one third, Sunny one third, and she's going to keep one third. But it seems like while the plan was to go with Uznavi to, back to the Dominican Republic, even though she came from Cuba, she seems to want to give it to him so that he can go out there and achieve his dreams. It's a kindness. In this, in the film, Uznavi doesn't discover this until well after Abuela has died and he finds the lottery ticket. So that's what's distracting him during the Bottle of Cold Champagne song. He's just distracted because he's thinking about going home in this stage play. Mm. Uh, but the thing that's utterly flawed me thinking about it Nina and Sonny are at a demonstration watching uh, I believe she's a a, a real um, civil rights activist yeah yeah she's talking about the um, see this is something that's that's different from the stage version because as far as I'm aware when the stage version came out in 2005 in 2005 this was not a thing but the I'm trying to think what the full title of the act is, but it's it's the Dakar Act, which is is they're usually referred to as dreamers, the children to whom this act applies. I believe it was an Obama era policy, but it effectively says if you came, if you are not documented as an American immigrant because your parents brought you here when you were chi- when you were a child and never had you registered and never had you registered the, the situation that Sonny is in initially you were talking about the responsibilities that Uznavi is trying to walk away from uh, Name and the fact that he's he's going and leaving Sonny behind initially his intention is to take Sonny with him mm. back to the DR mm. but he Sonny doesn't want to go well Sonny doesn't want to go because his anyway, home is here but he can't because Sonny doesn't have a passport yeah. and he can't get one which means he can't leave the country which means he's basically in he's in a sort of a limbo where he is stuck in new york in washington heights uh, and he exists there and it's his home but if he tries to move or change his place absolutely they're going to grab him he can't even get a bank account which means that eventually he's going to find himself in the same situation as vanessa where he can't get a credit check to get an apartment mm. he can't have a driver's license and this this uh activism uh, meeting, it's the thing that brings home to him that he also cannot go to college because he can't apply for any kind of financial support. It's unlikely he would even be able to register as a college student because mm. he is literally not recognised by the country that he lives in, that he has grown up in. And the astonishing amount of money, 96000 which is probably a lot more in 2005 than it is now, uh, gets effectively gifted to these two uh, by... Um, Abuela. But because it gets discovered the night before Usnavi's leaving, he hands it to Andy Garcia and says, look, I want to get Sonny documentation and uh, it's gonna, it, it, it apparently is going to be a court process that could take five months, could take five years, and it could just end in disappointment as he doesn't get his documentation. So he gives him a ticket worth $96,000 and says, this is for the legal fees and to, to get it working. And Andy Garcia's character, rather than going, whoo 
I like, you know, like I've got all of this money from you and I'm a crooked fucking lawyer is like, well, this is not normal and it might not fix the whole thing, but it's a start. And it's like, are you telling me that 96,000 can't achieve what a phone call from one rich person who's well-connected could achieve? Yes, that is precisely <laughs> what this is saying. I, I honestly, I don't think the implication is that the 96,000 might not be enough because this Navi says whatever's left, put in trust for him. Yeah. Um, but the point he, is, he can't just buy his way in. If it's, you're incredibly rich and well-connected, guarantee... you don't pay anything. Exactly. If you're incredibly poor, it doesn't matter how much money you have yeah. from... From a lottery ticket, you You'll still can't get, fix you your won't life. Get, depending on the quirk of fate as it falls that yeah. day. Yeah. 145k, by the way, in 2005. Whoa. Okay. Okay. So okay. about twice that. Okay. But it was still, the song was still 96 G's. <laughs> so <laughs> what it means is that that would, uh, that would be, that, that could buy less now. <laughs> And obviously, the, the, the magical promise of a huge lottery win is what powers that 96,000. It's what so many poor neighborhoods dream of. I mean, in Brazil and in Rio de Janeiro, all kinds of uh, neighborhoods where uh, living is really fucking hard and cheap, the lottery is there to give people that faint hope that they can get out of this if Lady Luck just smiles on them incredibly hard once. It's... It's a way of just being able to keep scraping by, just to have the idea that you might get very, very lucky. Mm. Uh, so it's presence in this, and then the fact that they do win, but it still can't solve their problems, that's the sobering down-to-earth aspect of it. But the reason that Nina decides she's going to go back to college is because she observes this demonstration and then Sonny walks off and is very angry because he realises that he won't be able to get into college. And she decides, what this lady is doing here is what I should be doing. And to do that, I need a college education. And I need to be able to actually affect change from a position where they can't just dismiss me. Yeah. She, it, it reframes college for her as rather than a jumping off point to then go off to the rest of her life that's going to be away from this community. Yeah. It's it's a way of her acquiring something, a skill a, and learning and connections. Uh, connections that she can then bring back to the community and use for their benefit. To return home with the elixir. I know people hate the fucking hero's journey, but in this one case, it's a reason for her to go out there. And it's a lovely update for them to actually... like. It's not hammered and hammered and hammered. It's actually quite subtle. you got to read between the lines and knowing that it's there and it wasn't before. The film did come under fire for lack of representation for darker-skinned Dominicans and people who live in that particular real-life area in Washington Heights. And... To his credit, Miranda said, I'll try to do better next time. I, I understand these criticisms. And then rather than doubling down and going, no, because actually, which so many people would do, it is important that there is this Latinx film that is so joyful. And in, while it does feel naive, there are these threads of hard-hitting reality throughout. It's got steel cables inside it. So it's not as soft as it might seem. It's full of dreams, but it's also got its feet on the street. Before we go, I have just listened to the soundtrack again, and I caught a crucial line in 96,000, which I completely missed before, and it just blows the film up to a new level. Sonny doesn't like working at Uznavi's store. 
Sure, he enjoys himself, he's happy, and he's surrounded by people who care about him, but when Uznavi asks him and he says no, Uznavi doesn't miss a beat and declares tough Merry Christmas. What am I doing? What am I doing? It takes half of that cash just to save my ass from financial ruin. Sonny can keep the coffee brewing. I spend a few on you, cause the only room with the view is a room with you in it. And I could give up with like Claudia the rest of it. Just fly me down to Puerto Plata, I make the best of it. You really love this business? No. Tough. Merry Christmas. You not a youngest tycoon in Washington, is nuts. Uznavi's intention stated over and over again is to return to the Dominican Republic, a place he originated in but has never lived in. In effect, he wants to emigrate and leave Sonny in charge of the store, writing checks to me. Cause my parents came with nothing. They got a little more assured with poor, but yo, at least we got the store. And it's all about the legacy. They left with me, it's destiny. And one day I'll be on the beach with Sonny writing checks to me. Effectively, Uznavi is just about to do what the well-intentioned parents have done, trapping his symbolic child in a position he doesn't want to be in, playing a support character in Uznavi's dreams. Because as Sonny's rap makes clear, that boy wants to do big things for this neighborhood. Yo, in 96,000, I finally fix housing. Give the body your computers and wireless web browsing. Your kids are living without a good education. Change the station, teach them about gentrification. The rent is escalating, the rich are penetrating. We pay our corporations when we should be demonstrating. What about immigration? Politicians be hating. Racism in this nation's gone from latent to blatant. I cash my ticket and piggy invest in protest. Never lose my focus to the city takes notice. And you know this man. And it will take Nina's help to get him and many like him uplifted along with all the legal work. So the ending of this film is way more than just Uznavi and also Vanessa wanting something and in the end, predictably, finding what they need instead. Because in this film, everyone is connected. I think that will do it for Lin-Manuel Miranda musicals until we tackle Encanto, which is absolutely going to happen at some point, though we won't talk about Bruno. Name, before you go, is there anything you'd like to promote? Um, nothing too crazy this time. I am going to send you to my sister's Instagram because she is also a, uh, a college student that didn't like where she was and fixed that. She went to a different... She's going to school for art. She's got a great art account. It's called bunny underscore the underscore artist. 
And uh, she took her her fate into her own hands and said, I hate this. I'm going to transfer to a different school, new program. She's doing well for herself. So, yeah, go go support what she makes. I'm putting that in the show notes, if I may. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So, I have been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. And Alabanza. And hopefully, by the next time you hear from us, Sharon and I will be safely back to recording together. Because right now, for both of us, even though we are confined to different parts of our rented house, neither of us have a home. Washington Heights and now the crack of dawn I pack as life goes on and on and on Time to go but I'm doing the math On this cash money to have Sonny stay on his path Well I really wanted me up on the beach With margaritas in my reach And soon that's how it's gonna be And look at me leaving today On the 747 boarding JFK The hydrants are open Cool breezes blow Just when you think you're sick of living here, the memory floods in The morning light off, the fire escapes The nights at Bennett Park blasting big pun tapes I'ma miss this place, to tell you the truth Kevin dispensing wisdom from his dispatch booth In the dawn, Vanessa at the salon We gotta move on, who's gonna notice we're gone? When our job's done, as the evening winds down to a cross, son Can I ease my mind when we're all done? When we resigned in the long run, what do we leave behind? Most of all, I miss Abuela's whispers, doing the lotto pick six every Christmas. In five years, when this whole city's rich folks and hipsters, who's gonna miss this raggedy little business? Hey, you. Hey. Do you have two minutes? You said you wanted to see the world through my eyes, right? Yeah. Come with me. He hates it. He's forming an artistic opinion. You did this last night? Yeah. There goes my flight. What? Graffiti Peach, you're gonna need some new cans. Here's some money, finish up, there's been a slight change of plans. Nice. Listen up, guys, you got a job, I'm not playing. You gotta go now, tell the whole block I'm staying. Now go ahead, tell everyone we know, Sonny. 
happy endings Some are bittersweet But I know them all And that's what makes my life complete 